0: Welcome to another episode of Thick and Thin, where ball is always life. I'm your host, Parthic. Here with my co-host, Nitin. Nitin, what's well, good, dog? Season
1: two premiere. Uh, we couldn't have started with more topics to discuss. But before we get to the NBA topics, I want to talk about one topic before that. Um, you know, we took our break, our hiatus for the offseason, what, mid-October? Mm-hmm. Um after after the Lakers had had wrapped up the heat in six, we did the recap podcast and we took a little bit of break. I didn't realize that was going to be a break from our friendship as well. You haven't spoken to me <laughs> in in four plus weeks. You actually ignore my texts. Uh, I try to ask you about stuff about your life, non-basketball. And it's clearly this is why they say don't mix, uh, you know, business and pleasure, because if it's not thick and thin, I'm just dead to you. And, I, I you know, I don't know how I feel about that.
0: It's a business relationship, man. I don't know what more Clearly. you want. We, we clock in, we clock out, and then I don't want to hear from you and, and your, you know, your rants and your opinions anymore. Let's save it for the pod. But we're back. You know, it's been a month. I didn't even back. have
1: anyone to talk to about the John Wall gang sign video that I've dropped. <laughs> oh, my God, John Wall.
0: But yeah, man, I mean, it, you know, it's funny. It's It feels like it's been so long since um, we last recorded. And it hasn't even been that long. It's been a month. Um, yeah, but I think it's literally just a month ago, weeks. the finals ended and that feels like ages ago and we're already just finished the draft free agencies right around the corner. It's like a whirlwind of an off season. You know, I think
1: so because of the weird schedule and because of kind of the uncertainty around whether or not the season would start in December, start in January or later, um, And then the draft actually moving from – it was originally supposed to be right after the finals like it is typically. And it ended up moving back a month. You know, People didn't know when free agency was going to start. There was so much kind of uncertainty around like, okay, what's the schedule going to look like? And then what's the level of activity, right? Going into 2020, we knew this was kind of a weak free agency class. Between the 2019 offseason where 40% of the league were free agents to the 2021 offseason where you got guys like Kawhi, Giannis, PG, among others that are all free agents. It almost felt like 2020 was going to be like that dormant year. But there are (laughs) – it feels like every team in the league is primed to do something. And almost every team in the league at this point feels like they have a real shot at the playoffs when you look at the way they're operating and the moves that they're making.
0: Every team's got a shot. Um, And, you know, it's funny because this is the draft you want to tank for, 2021. 2021. Right. Uh, so I, I mean, I think a lot of these teams are quickly gonna go in the other direction, and we can talk about that based on what we've seen so far. But um, the 2021 is the holy like that off season is gonna be the big name free agents, um, the big draft uh, where you know you have a ton of great prospects coming out, and so this kind of feels like a holdover off season, honestly, um, until next year. Uh, And so that's why I think we also didn't see as much movement as you might see typically um, because teams are still kind of scheming. They're scheming
1: and there wasn't a lot of draft night activity in terms of trades, but we're getting rumors galore. Yeah, like, I mean, you look at Philadelphia within a matter of two weeks, Daryl Morey has already completely revamped that roster in a really, really interesting way and a really productive way, in my opinion. Um, you look at Portland, who's making a move, trying to add. They added Robert Covington, which was a surprise. Um, you look at Phoenix, bringing in Chris Paul. You know they emerged as a destination for him in the last couple of weeks, and it's like there's a lot of teams who are like, all right, this is our time to make a. You know, even even uh, Minnesota, who had the number one pick, they did really well last night. They added Ricky Rubio on top of Anthony Edwards, Jaden McDaniels, and it's it's one of those things where it's like. In the NFL, every team in the offseason has Super Bowl aspirations, right? Because the parody of the league, you know, there's so many stories of going from five and eleven to, you know, twelve and four. The NBA doesn't function like that because it's a haves and haves nots league. And like you said, maybe it will be that and it definitely will be that two months into the season, the Timberwolves would have been like, Yeah, this you know, no. this isn't our time, <laughs> or like the Suns are like, Yeah, shit, we messed up with this. But As of now, I feel like more teams than I can ever remember in recent history really feel like they have a shot, not at a title, but at a playoff spot, which for a lot of franchises that have been starved of that kind of success, like in Atlanta, like a Sacramento, like a um, Minnesota, that's as important as it is, you know, actually competing for a championship.
0: And there, I mean, there are a lot of teams out there drafting for fit. And I feel like in this draft, Um, or more so than I would expect, like, for example, Phoenix, and we'll go into it. Um taking Jalen Smith? Yep. From Maryland. Jalen Smith, right? From Maryland. And like that's literally to fill out the rotation to put a starting four next to Aiden. Whereas
1: a team right. like Phoenix
0: arguably should be taking best player available every draft. So every you're right. right, everyone's gearing for for like a playoff run this season. They're trying to round out the roster, um, making moves on the fringes as well. Uh so there is a lot a lot a lot of it, uh, action that's been going on in that sense. Yeah, I mean, let's get to the draft. But before we do
1: that, we need to start with a precursor that dropped yesterday and was confirmed today. Um, Clay Thompson, who tore his ACL in game six of the finals in 2019. And for my money, the Warriors would have won that series, one game six and one game seven, even in Toronto, with, with a healthy Clay Thompson. I thought that's how well he was starting to play, um, even with that Durant. And he tears his ACL, you know, it was a bummer. He signed a max extension that summer. But, you know, ACL is a, you're pretty much at this point a fully proof uh, uh, injury recovery timeline. It was announced yesterday he got hurt in a pickup game in L.A. and he has torn his Achilles in the other leg. This is. OK, let's talk basketball in a second. But for a guy who I think has a universal approval rating of 100 percent in the NBA, just in terms of the character he is, the guy, the role he fills everything about him I think the world is it, the NBA world is crushed and it it just sucks because like we don't have that much longer of the clay staff splash brothers era we have a max two three years of them at their primes and now it feels like a we've been robbed of one of those years and two b who knows what clay is going to come look like when he comes back this I mean two years gone it's it's hard to imagine what this is going to look like on the other side and I feel terrible for him
0: yeah, man, it's a devastating loss. Uh, Clay Thompson, and he's a guy who, uh, you know, as much as you can hate the Warriors, as much as I hate the Warriors, gotta respect the way you know he puts in the work every uh, every season. Um, he's pretty much been an Iron Man his entire career for the most part. Uh, hasn't had yeah. too many serious injuries until the you know the ACL. Uh, and then to lose two years in your prime back to back, you know, the toll it takes on you mentally. Like, I know yeah. you've talked about you just tearing your ACL, right? And you not being a superstar athlete, you know. Well,
1: um, or, you know. I mean, I am, but superstar PowerPoint athlete.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm sure it really affected those PowerPoint skills, uh, those first couple of months. Of, uh, I couldn't out. align boxes on the left side <laughs> because I, my leg would drop and, like, the <laughs> fucking
1: box would flow off the screen altogether.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you I mean, you know, it's a a, a lot of it is mental. A lot of it is mental. And for this to happen two times in a row and differently. Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's on a different leg. But at the same time, it's like now you've got, you know, an ACL here, your Achilles on the other one. And now how do you come back from that? Um, As a guy who relies on a lot of cutting precision, you know, he's he'll still be fine shooting, but he's just going to lose a lot of that burst that really helps him. Kind of spray I open. Think people,
1: people don't recognize that, right? They're like, "Oh, Clay's a shooter. He's not like a Russell Westbrook." But it's like this guy runs precise routes, almost like he's a wide yep. receiver coming off screens, coming off pin downs, floppies. Like you need that burst, like you said, to get that split second of of uh, separation. And yeah, I mean. Psychologically, it's a good point, right? We saw it with Derrick Rose, where a couple of knee injuries in, he was never the same guy. And he, he eventually reverted back to some version of his his uh, you know MVP level self, but never quite that uh, quite exactly the, the same type of archetype. And with Clay, yes, he doesn't require as much, you could argue, as much sort of like side to side lateral quickness. He doesn't it's not like an end to end speed type of thing, like a John Wall who's coming off the Achilles, right? This is why people are so much higher on Kevin Durant coming off the Achilles than they are John Wall. But like, I still think you can't you can't sit there and say two like pretty debilitating leg injuries later, he's going to somehow just waltz back in after two seasons off and and be the same player. Now, you know, I'm glad for a couple of things. You know, the silver lining is a he's won championships, right? I know it's still early in his career, all all things considered. And B, he got paid that second time. And I, I know the, for, from a financial standpoint, the Warriors are probably not wishing that they were doing that because 40% of the contract he signed of $190 million is out the door. But um, at least he got that security. But, you know, it's it's funny because Cousins, his teammate, actually had those same two injuries in reverse. He tore his Achilles yep. with uh, New Orleans and he tore his ACL, um, you know, with right before this last season with the Lakers. So, you know, Wall has Achilles, uh, Dwight Powell, of course, Kevin Durant. It does feel like this injury keeps popping up more, and I'm not sure why. I'm not sure if guys are training too hard. I'm not sure if we're almost like reaching a peak of like human limitation uh, (laughs) before we continually evolve. But that's an injury that I I don't think was as common uh, beforehand, and now seems to be happening
0: way more often than we'd like it to be. I wonder the same thing, too. Like, I don't know why all of a sudden we are hearing about the Achilles injury so much more. Um, But, yeah, I mean, and, you know, obviously it sucks for Clay And and the Warriors, too, a team that's gearing up for another championship run, look poised to make another championship run. And, you know, there were talks about originally, like, maybe they'd use that number two pick to get another asset. Looked like they were settling for the pick uh, as we got closer to the draft. But regardless, like, they had, um, were finally healthy ready to make another push in the West. And now, yep. you know, there goes another year. Like this is just another big setback for them because without clay, I don't, I don't see how they, they contend.
1: Yeah. So it's interesting, right? Because they heard the news basically hours before the draft, I would say like even less than three hours, I think before the draft, or if, if that it was reported, I don't remember the exact time. And suddenly you're sitting there trying to weigh offers for number two, they ended up standing pat and maybe it was such, So Interestingly, they take Wiseman, right? They have this $18 million trade exception from the Andre Godala trade that they probably were going to let go because their luxury tax bill is out of fucking control right now. (laughs) Now, Clay goes down. Joe Lacob is in a world of trouble because he's got this new arena. They're trying to get fans in. Um, At the same time, like, you know, we're in the pandemic. So now there's two years post-opening that there's probably going to be limited gate revenue. They they basically, last year was a wash. They're like, okay, what do we do to make us more marketable they ended up trading for kelly Oubre today uh so yeah. we're recording this at 11 p.m central so i don't know when you're gonna, all going to hear this but at this point they've traded for kelly Oubre based on how much tax they're going to pay uh given his salary and how much over the tax they already are as well as the repeater tax kelly Oubre is going to cost them 80 million dollars this season wow did not know is that that high because you pay a penalty when you're in the tax multiple years in a row. Uh, they've been the tax the last mo- several years because yeah. of the supermax for staff and supermax for, you know, Clay and KD and was a max player and all these things. And it's like, oh, this is a problem. You're in no man's land right now. Um, and and, and so it's just one of those unfortunate things. They had a six year run, five year run that was unmatched in in recent history. And maybe this is the other end of that.
0: Yeah, it's all come down crashing. And, and the Joe Licka point is interesting because I've talked about this in the pod before, too. Like He loved spending on that team. Uh, he didn't mind spending on that team. And it was a flex for a, for a guy, an owner in the Bay Area. It's a flex to be able to yeah. kind of trot out that championship team year after year and say, look, money's no problem. We're going to do this year after year, go, go into the yeah. tree tax. But now is when it starts to bite you and it gets harder to to justify when you're not competing anymore um so i mean obviously they'll still be fine but it's interesting what they're going to do the next couple of years to kind of every owner at some point decides they want to start penny pinching yeah um,
1: so, so you know their their rotation next year it's going to be like steph Ubre, wiggins draymond wiseman pascal is that going to make the playoffs yeah i mean probably if they all stay healthy yep. sure but i mean is that team beating the lakers no Um, Is that the team beating the Clippers? Maybe not. Uh, But let's talk draft because, you know, that was the the most recent big event of the last uh, two weeks, I'd say. So the draft last night, it was pretty much, you know, it was marketed as a draft without any top tier stars, but a lot of good quality depth. So almost in a way you didn't want to be picking in the top five because you're yeah. getting guys that could be as good as who's picked at 10 or 12 or 15. And it did seem like that was the case, right? Like both of our teams, I think, got the guy at the top of their draft board that neither neither team expected to be there. So the Wizards took Denny Abdia um, from mm-hmm. Israel and Maccabi Tel Aviv at number nine. He was pretty much a consensus top five prospect. And the Kings took Tyrese Halliburton at number 12, which almost felt crazier than than Abdiya falling because Halliburton, you know, with a lot of teams needing a point guard ahead of the Kings, the Kings don't even really need a point guard with Fox. But um, to your point, maybe they maybe the Suns should have done what the Kings did, which is let's grab best player available. So starting with, you know, a little home time bias, we'll talk about our picks, but starting there and going broadly, what did you take away from the draft last night? Who surprised you who do you who are you excited to see
0: like where where are you at with all of uh the the new the newcomers into the league yeah, so starting with obviously high team uh, I think the biggest surprise of the draft was Tyrese halliburton falling that that far um yeah. and i mean he has a skill set that a lot of teams in the top ten could have easily used, so it was surprising to me that that he started dropping um a lot of the other guys in the top ten I thought could fall like you talk about a guy like, you know, someone like Isaac Okoro or um, even Patrick Williams. Mock drafts had him all over the place. Halliburton was really consensus 5 to 8 in that range, um, kind of leaning yeah. more in the 5 and 6. And, uh, you know, I was extremely, extremely happy the Kings got him. I think he's – you know, people call him a point guard. He's really a combo guard. I think he'll fit really well with De'Aaron Fox um, because he he's actually um, – He's a great playmaker, but I don't think he's good enough to be a lead guard. So putting him at yeah. the two and allowing Fox to do some of that playmaking really helps. He's a good shooter. Wonky mechanics, fine, but um, and he's long and rangy and can that can translate well on the defensive end. I think the biggest knocks on him are really the the size. He's really thin frame. He weighs only yeah. 175. Um, and he he needs to, you know, improve finishing at the rim. But for the Kings, look, you're just You're going to blow it up. Um, They've got a new GM and you're just trying to get BPA. And it couldn't have worked out better where they got easily the best player available who also slotted nicely into into their lineup. So I think they won the draft on the basis of that. Um, yeah, I,
1: I think he's going to be a total stud. I think he reminds me a lot of Sean Livingston, but like yeah. pre-injury Sean Livingston, right? Where he was a little bit more fluid, a little bit more mobile, could play play both guard spots. Um, and, and I think if the league has taught us anything, um, and one of the reasons even the Wizards I was happy they're taking Denny is you cannot put guys into these, into these like just Uh, structures of, like, you have to play this way or you have to do this one thing. The more guys you can get on the floor that can fucking dribble a basketball is a good thing, right? Like, you saw Oklahoma City have so much success with that three-guard lineup of Schroeder, Paul, and SGA. And people are like, why are you playing three point guards together? And it's like, well, who cares if they're point guards? If they can all shoot and they can all pass, does it really matter if one guy's a point guard or one guy's a shooting guard by virtue of the box score? Or is it a matter of they're all... In that triple threat position, and and with Fox improving his three point shot and being a more assertive scorer, and I think Halliburton also being able to get to his spots, he you know he's a good rebounder for his size despite the fact that he is a little bit wiry, right? Like he's going to have to add weight. We know that you have healed, so I I, ultimately I don't know if Healed is on this roster on December twenty second when the season kicks off. We'll see, but. You could play all three of those guys together. I mean, yes, you might have some struggles defensively, but the Kings already struggled defensively. It's not going to get like significantly yeah. worse. Um, it looks like Bogdanovich is not going to be part of that team next year. Uh, that's the way it's trending, though. The Milwaukee yeah. situation is fucking weird. And I don't know if you've ever even heard of this type of thing happening before. I, I have not. So uh, we'll see what happens there. But I, I mean, the Kings had to be ecstatic, right? Like Monty McNair, year one. And you get a blue chipper who I saw going as high as number four, actually, to Chicago.
0: Yeah. And uh, secondary playmaking is such an underrated skill and it's so valued in today's NBA. Like, um, like you said, the three guard lineup for OKC, a guy like Tyler Hero, the value he has to the heat is not just because he's a good shooter, it's because he is also a secondary playmaker. They can kind of run the offense through him a little bit so i think in that sense he he represents a very modern skill set and he checks off all he's an analytics darling um one of the highest rated analytics player coming out of the draft out of the past couple drafts apparently so um i think they did well um other than that i think you know going to the wizards now abdi is a great pig like he was a guy that i was high on i think a lot of kings fans were high on um mm-hmm. you know once again a variety of skill sets good playmaker um good shooter can also kind of create his own shot um you know the defense all those things will come with time and but yeah uh i think yeah see that the shooting thing is the problem right because his
1: issue is he actually shot pretty well from three like later when they came back from the break i think he was shooting in like the upper 30s his free throw shooting is concerning his free throw shooting is in the 50s and that is a bad indicator for for yeah. usually for whatever reason free throw shooting is a good prog- prog- prognosticator of three-point shooting but i i agree with you like he's a multi-faceted player and his form is fine it's not like he's shooting like markel Fultz. like i think they can figure it out i mean frankly and you know one of the things it comes back to halliburton as well as with denny it's like people forget that there are a lot of minutes to cover when your stars are not in. Yeah. And those minutes can win or lose games. And the Tyler Hero example is perfect. It's not like he has to play point guard for the heat. It's that when Dragic is on the bench and Jimmy Butler's on the bench, can he lead the offense in those six minutes? And those are the difference between wins and losses in a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. And as long as he can do that, like you stagger minutes, you get creative, it's like, I think that's that's, you know one of the reasons why we fail to see positional we we see it as positional overlap rather than positional versatility in some ways Mm -hmm. um and you know maybe one of the reasons why we're starting to move away from the idea of this traditional big because what else can they do if they're not playing that one role or what else can a like a point guard like a rajon rondo rondo is a role player at this point but his archetype it wouldn't be as highly touted as it was ten years ago because he can't necessarily play off ball. He can't necessarily do different things outside of that, like one specific
0: role. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think that so that, that's what I value going into the draft. And I think um, both these picks are examples of, of guys who have a lot of versatility offensively, and they both slipped. Like I was surprised, uh, like you said, that um, he dropped to nine. I thought he would have also gone in that top six, seven range. Yeah. Um, so I think the Wizards were also probably ecstatic. I'm sure the fan your fans were also ecstatic uh, about getting them. I think. Well, we have PTSD from Jan
1: Vesely, so. <laughs>
0: but that was a every,
1: Yeah, even well, then, that right? was. I mean, they're literally the like they have shared no similarities other than yeah. they both Foreign have court. like e, EU passports. That's about it. But like. Um, there's a lot of nervousness, let's just say, and the guy that they wanted was either Halliburton or Jalen Smith. Um, I think Jalen Smith would have been a reach at number nine, and I'm happy we didn't take him. I think yeah. he he's kind of like Patrick Williams, where he probably had a couple of good workouts, and suddenly we're going <laughs> to throw out all of the tape uh, during the college season. But Halliburton's the guy I would have said, okay, if you didn't pick Abdia, you take him. And I, to me, I'm like, if it's one guy that you're upset about, then it's probably an okay pick, right? Because yep. none of us really know for sure. Um, you know, the the couple things that I would say surprised me. One is Akangwu, who the Wizards were heavily targeting from USC mm-hmm. at number six. I'm trying to figure out what exactly Atlanta's doing. Now, they did trade Dwayne Dedman um, today, but they have Clint Capella, Who's on a big money contract? They have John Collins, who's a restricted free agent, so ready for a big payday, and they have um, Akangwu now, who's their rookie. And I imagine all three of those players won't be there in a year. But maybe they go into this offseason, uh, into this season, saying, "Okay, let's start bring Akangwu off the bench, whatever, and eventually figure out who needs which of the two we're going to keep and what's one's going to go." The other one that I think was very surprising to me is. Um, I couldn't quite understand what Boston was doing. Um, Mm -hmm. Boston year after year is like as a war chest of picks, always in the mix to trade up to get their guy and they never do it. And it feels like Danny Ainge is that guy in fantasy leagues who won't trade with you unless he's getting like the two best players in the back. Um, And they end up with three guys. I mean, they can't all make their roster. Those guys aren't going to be impact dudes in five years. It doesn't make any
0: sense. Yeah, they were trying desperately to trade up, and a lot of teams just weren't budging in, in that top 10. Um, and so that that came back to hurt them. Uh, they got Aaron Nesmith, who I actually like a lot more than others. Um, he, he only has one really elite skill, which is the shooting. He was a decent defender. But um, other than that, like you're right. I, I think for them, it's a big, big miss, given they had those picks. Ideally, if you have that many picks, you package it up and move up and get your guy. Um, and yeah. they weren't able to do that. Uh, I think, so, you know, the Onyeka was interesting because I actually, I like the pick. Um, I think they're going to have to make a decision with John Collins. I think this year they're going to figure out whether he's worth paying. I don't think they're sold on him. I'm not sold on him completely as a franchise cornerstone. Um, He's a good player, but are you willing to pay him, you know, top dollar? I don't know. Uh, The other one that surprised me a bit, I think... um, Patrick Williams, I mean, I knew he was going to yeah. go, you know, in yeah. the top 10, but he went pretty high. I didn't think the Bulls were going to take him. Like you said, Halliburton was was an option. Um, I thought they might go um, Abdia. I thought they'd I, go Abdia. Yeah. But they went. Uh, Williams, who's a good player. Uh, I love it. <laughs> side note, I love how right after Patrick Williams gets picked, the first thing they do is go into the story about him delivering flowers for his mom. Uh. Um. The and fucking, I was like, what? the human interest story has got to stop, dude. Yeah, like, I mean, we can talk about that. But I was like, the first thing, like, I, I mean, back when we used to watch the drafts, so I feel like, you know, first thing is they go to clips of, of his playmaking. Jay Billis is already talking about his wingspan, this and that. But here we get like this three minute clip of him delivering flowers. I'm like, what? What? <laughs> Why is this getting like, if I'm going to deliver
1: wins to Chicago, like that's what we fucking care about right now. Dude, they've turned this into the Hallmark Channel where the draft and they did this in the NFL draft, too. But it's positioned as like a crowning achievement for that kid's life, which it is. But we're in the sports media business. Like, tell us about their fit. Tell us about the pluses and minuses. Tell us about how this is going to make the teams better, not like the fact that they were able to do this despite like six levels of hardship. I know those stories are important. And I think with the broader audience, they play. But look, the broader audience is probably not watching the NBA draft on a random Wednesday in November. The people who are watching are the ones who care about basketball.
0: Exactly. So I I don't understand what that coverage was, it was, uh, and and I'm a, look, I told you, I'm an old school guy. I hate seeing the picks revealed on Twitter by Woj. I hate seeing anyone ruin it. I'm watching the broad, the telecast and not knowing who's getting picked until I see Adam Silver say that name up on the podium. And so for me, like that is part of the experience. And it was just, Oh my God, it was hard to follow the trades. It was hard to, they barely showed any clips of any of these guys. So you couldn't get a real sense of, um, you know, any breakdowns on what the positives or, or minuses were for each pick. How do we was, control
1: Woj and Shams? Because I'm over here just trying to watch the Wizards pick in peace. And I have five, six people already texting me being like, damn, Denny, like Denny, Denny. And I'm like, fuck, just let me watch. Like, And I purposely stayed off Twitter until after the Wizards pick. After that, I was like, whatever. I might as well just yeah. like, you know, there's less suspense. I don't care yeah. as much, I guess. And I'm just like, this is no fun. How do you control these guys? You can't because Shams doesn't work for the league, whereas Woj works for a major partner of the league. I don't know what to
0: do. They got to like oh. revoke these guys as press access or something. It's a joke, man. They they told Woj that he couldn't reveal the picks, right? So instead, he's yeah. just saying targeting. He's like, oh, they're targeting, you know, this player, and that's essentially saying they got picked. So it's uh, it's annoying, but I mean, what can you do? Um, yeah, and a pick I did like. I didn't want to talk about a pick I did like. Uh, so Devin Vassell, I was originally mm-hmm. before the before. Hey, listen, before the shot, I was high on him. After seeing that clip float around the internet, I was like, nope, nope, I don't <laughs> want to touch him. But I think going to the Spurs, like you couldn't ask for a better fit for for that type of player. Um, this shit's and I think- confirmation bias, dude. Just because you think the Spurs Spurs
1: are a smart organization, you're like, yeah, Devin Vassell, he's gonna be great there. It's the same with like. Um, when the Patriots draft someone, you're like, wow, what a find. It, meanwhile, the Patriots have like one of the worst draft records in the last 10 years in the NFL. This is the thing we do. We convince ourselves because the team is smart. Like, honestly, I got Wizards fans telling me that the Warriors really liked Denny at two. Therefore, it was a great pick for us. I'm like, <laughs> we don't know that they were right about that. They also took FK Udo like four
0: years <laughs> ago. Look, the Spurs have a better track record of player development than the Patriots, but I get your point. I get your point. It Doesn't automatically make it a good pick. I but I, I do believe in that. A guy like that going to Sacramento, it's a it's a you know, that his career is already over at that point. So,
1: I asshole was giving me PTSD for Otto Porter like memories. Honestly, because that's all I could think of when I watched clips of him.
0: I mean, Otto Porter secured the bag, so you know he he played well enough to do that. <laughs>
1: yeah he opted in i don't know in case you were wondering he opted into his 28 million dollar player option
0: (laughs) um
1: yeah i mean i'm not a big college guy frankly um and this season was especially weird because like usually when i do at least pay a little bit more attention is march madness and we didn't get that and so we're we're working off youtube compilations from like (laughs) eight months ago and to me i'm like I'm just going to go by the big board of a Kevin O'Connor, of a Mike Schmitz, of a, you know, all these guys, Jonathan Gavoni, And it's it's like as long as the team picks somebody within reason of where their big board had them, I can't fault it. I'm almost like this is almost what I would do if I was a GM I'd be like, yeah, what does Chad Ford think? What is because then you can't <laughs> get
0: ripped by the media. You can't. You know I mean, yeah, yeah it's actually clever. I mean, like, and that's how I'm evaluating the draft this year. Ever since Vlade took Papianis, where you literally, I'm like <laughs> googling him. I'm like, is this guy even gonna be shown on TV? Because they're not ready to kind of pan the camera to, um, you know, him in his living room. Uh, I've I've been wary. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, just take guys people expect you to take. That's all you have to do. It's not that hard. You take Luca, and you're you know, that's it. Easy. Exactly. Easy Everyone's
1: way. like, Luca's Don't. the guy. He should go number one. Don't overthink it. Just Don't take be Luca sp- number one.
0: Um. I want to say the Anthony Edwards though. So talking yeah. about the number 1 pick, it's funny every draft there's either a clear number 1 or um there's a guy that a team takes that maybe it was a little bit of surprising Anthony Betta but the team loved. I've never seen a team try to get out of that number 1 spot so <laughs> much and then just literally settle
1: on the worst thing in the world was that ball that lottery ball falling to Minnesota for number
0: 1. Yeah, and and then a couple of days before the draft that interview that comes out and people are saying don't make too much of it. He's a 19-year-old kid, but man, can you talk about all the wrong things to say. Um I love football uh like it more than basketball. Yeah, I football, don't watch you any celebrate. basketball. I don't watch any basketball. Um Oh, man, I'm I'm just glad I was not in the Timberwolves position. And then obviously all the reports of them trying to get out of number one and no one is, is biting. Um, and, and you know, you can't even say that he was taken out of context
1: with that quote because about watching basketball, because they came out after he was picked and he was like, oh, what do you think about what you know? What do you think about the Timberwolves? He's like, you know, all I can say about them is they compete. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you definitely don't watch basketball. <laughs> great, awesome number one pick actually doesn't like the sport. uh
0: good stuff. can't wait. oh my god yeah so I, I I feel bad I mean I think he is a he's a great prospect, but that's always a big red flag um obviously they went through that with Wiggins um and I've gone through that with Willie Colley Stein. It's like these guys who don't truly care about basketball. it's not a cliche like they just don't pan out as well as uh, other players just because you know they just don't have that motivation and drive so I'm surprised, actually. You brought up a good point. I'm surprised, given that they
1: just lived through the Wiggins experience, that they did take a guy who didn't also seem like super wired to just love the game. But if you look at it, and this is why they were trying so desperately to get out of number one, it's like, who else are you going to take? You can't take Wiseman because he's not a good fit next to Towns, right? You'd have kind of too slow of a front court. Can't really take LaMelo Ball because he's not going to be a good fit next to D'Angelo. Who they just traded for. And it's like, okay, you're not going to take, like, Obi Toppin, number one, or <laughs> Isaac. Like, who went fourth? Uh, Patrick Witt. Patrick like, You have to <laughs> take these guys. Like, you just can't. It's. You yeah, almost no,
0: just have to hope he was. Yeah. He's a kid. Right. And then just hope for the best. They made the right decision at the end of the day. It's just funny because they were literally had no, like you said, no other option. Um, uh. But it's such a I'm big drop-off after
1: three. I'm trying to think, though. Now that now that I look back when there was last not a consensus, number one, I think it might have been the Anthony Bennett draft.
0: Anthony Bennett, yeah. That was, what, 2013? Um, 2014 was Wiggins.
1: 15 was Towns. 16 was Ben Simmons. 17 faults. 18. 18 was Aiton, 19
0: it was
1: Zion. Yeah, yeah. It's been a while. Maybe not consensus is not the right word, but a guy that the team was very excited to take. Yeah, exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and Bennett, maybe they were excited, but that was also a crapshoot. Like, like Oladipo went two, and then Otto Porter went three. And then you know, I think Cody Zeller went four, so that was like a random collection of players in twenty thirteen. Yeah,
0: but but Bennett, you know, they were sold on him being. It's like if the the Timberwolves came out and were like, "Oh, we want a curl, but we think he actually is the best player in the draft." Right? Like, yeah, it's shocking, but okay, maybe they they like him. This was a case of like they have to take him. There's no other good option. Yeah. They can't. Um,
1: what do you think of the uh, the virtual draft?
0: It's, I mean, it's like the NFL draft, man. Um, I didn't like it at all. Uh, <laughs> it just felt dead. It felt lifeless. Like, obviously, I, I, li- I mean, the biggest thing I like about the draft is the crowd reactions. There's a buzz in the room. Um, you know, the Knicks fans are booing. Uh, you don't have any of that. And it's, and I didn't like the uh, ESPN coverage. The, you know, Jay Williams is useless to me um he didn't even like, i don't think he watched he's almost as
1: unprepared as we are right now like i don't think he watched any of these guys
0: no no and so they're just you know they're speaking in just the vaguest um kind of descriptions and comparisons so i didn't like the coverage um i thought it was cool obviously seeing every player i thought this was cool about the nfl draft right like just seeing them in their home environment or their with their family and everyone's in kind of a very different situation yeah um, but I don't know what that did you
1: part say? was cool. One thing that was like, this is just me being a bitch and just like complaining for no reason. But like, I just wish they wouldn't pan to the. To the family room until those people knew that they were on TV. Yeah, because the first moment they panned to them, they were just sitting there just like staring straight ahead into the oblivion, not realizing that we already knew that they had been drafted because they hadn't yeah. been told yet. it was like an older feed or something. And then yeah. they pan after they do the analysis and then they're celebrating. And it doesn't make any sense. It's like, why can't you just show them after they've heard the news? Or are they really that upset that they got drafted by the Knicks, which is possible because Obi was crying quite a bit and that could have been the reason.
0: <laughs> yeah, the whole thing's a little bit awkward, including with the delay. Like I, I get when the NFL um I actually thought the NFL went pretty smoothly. But yeah. they were doing it like a month into like this whole quarantine thing. That means had so much time to, to figure this out, and it still felt kind of a little amateur. Uh, in yeah, line. it wasn't as I, polished as I'd hoped it would be, yeah.
1: And like, I don't know, I feel like they could have put some better, like, they put Mike Schmitz on there, and like, he's their main draft guy. I feel like we needed a different, I don't know, a little bit more. He was fine, a little bit more, just like personality with the knowledge. <laughs> he was. He was just, <laughs> If they blended Mike Schmitz and Jay Will, they would have been all right.
0: Look, this is why I miss – if you're not giving me hardcore draft analysis, give me a personality like Bill Simmons that one year where he's literally just – He's like cheering for the Celtics picks. (laughs) He's cheering. He's like, what? Did they just do that? Right? Like whether he's right or wrong, at least it's entertainment. Like either swing that way or swing the hardcore analysis. Don't settle for this weird middle with like these lifeless personalities.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I I mean, look, it's the pandemic, so we won't go too hard on anyone. But can we I, talk about Poku? About what? Poku. What is that? Do you know who Poku is? Uh, Alexei Pokushevsky. Oh, the guy who's like one and 10 pounds, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Where did okay, he get so drafted again?
0: He got drafted. Uh, I think it eventually went to OKC. Yeah, 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 that's right. It was Minnesota's right. pick, but I think. The pick um, that traded for Rubio, yeah. So, you know, going going into the draft, I was looking at all, you know, there's always a couple guys you don't, like you're just hoping your team doesn't touch. I was yeah. watching highlights of this guy out of curiosity because I saw his name come up a couple times. I was astonished how skinny this dude, like it didn't look real to me. He looked like um, it's bad. Dude. literally a stick finger. Everyone's like, oh, seven-foot guard, like how dare is that? Like this body type cannot survive in the NBA. Um, and he's not gonna magically put on 60 pounds. Like that in you know he the makes course of
1: Brandon Ingram look like big baby Davis.
0: Yeah, and, and this guy's like an 18-year-old kid from Serbia coming straight to the NBA. It's not even like he's gotten a lot of European experience. I, I I get why okay see when you have like 16 picks or whatever, you can take chances on guys like this, but oh man, I was like I don't want to touch him. Um, At and least he's going to
1: OKC. At yeah. least he's not going to like New York City. He's going to get eaten alive out there. He's going yeah. to OKC. He can kind of grow steadily.
0: Yeah. So I that was one guy who uh, I'm very curious to see how his career plays out. Because seven feet and like 170 pounds is. It's unreal. Yeah. All right. Let's talk enough draft coverage we have no idea
1: we're not going to know for five years let's talk trades because that's where you know that's where we make our money really even though we don't get paid for this that's where really we we thrive on the free agency the trades all the activity that's been going on we've already seen a couple major deals a couple more major rumor deals i wanted to start with chris paul to phoenix um First of all, Sam Presti got picks to take on Chris Paul and he got picks to give up Chris Paul in a matter of a year. That is a fucking finesse, right? But putting that aside, I loved this move for Phoenix. I thought they gave up a fair price. They didn't give up this year's pick, right? Which I thought was gonna be a sticking point for Oklahoma City. They gave up Rubio and Ubre, and a future pick. And I think Chris Paul is going to be perfect to get Devin Booker to learn how to play winning basketball, DeAndre Ayton, you know, Mikel Bridges, they have a real chance of cracking the top six next year in the
0: West. That's my take. What about you? Do you think I'm crazy or are you in on this? I'm going to zig or I'm going to zag where everyone's zigging. Everyone loves this trade. I, on yeah. paper, it looks great. Yeah, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, like they need that steady hand at point guard. Chris, the teams that should be going after Chris Paul are the teams that are one piece away. Phoenix, in my mind, they went on this little eight and zero run, and they're already you know trying to make championship moves. <laughs> I, you you said they oh this is going to vault them into the top six as if like that's a huge you know yeah they'll finish maybe sixth at best seventh at best. So well, I, I don't understand what what the investment in Chris Paul is here. Um I just don't see it moving the needle that much for them. It makes them a guaranteed playoff team, but it's still a guaranteed first round exit.
1: dude uh, Devin Booker hasn't won thirty five games in his life if he makes the six seed, we're building statues like we literally are going to erect statues in phoenix if if they're if they're the six seed next year.
0: I mean they were already on this trajectory right they had uh I think with Rubio um People talk about Devin Rubio was really helpful for Devin Booker's development last year too. He was. I don't think that was talked about enough in terms of um, his efficiency numbers, uh, and and Rubio re- Rubio really played that role. Obviously, he's no Chris Paul, but it's not like <laughs> um, you know this team wasn't on the right path to begin with. So I don't know. I, it's a great move. It's fun, but I'd rather see Chris Paul go to a, a Milwaukee or a team that is actually going to be contending for the title at the end of the day. This just seems like a, you know, yeah, they'll they'll finish as a seventh seed. Great. Well, we're going to talk about Milwaukee here in a second. But, like,
1: to me, it's like, yes, Chris Paul is not going to play for a championship, which is probably his number one goal, right? Because at this point in his career, that's all he has left to accomplish. But aside from Milwaukee, who clearly preferred Drew Holiday, you know, the package they gave up probably would have gotten it done for Chris Paul as well. I would imagine, given that they just took on Al Horford, I imagine that they're okay with, you know, um, taking on some salary. But who else was going to make a play for him? Like the Clippers had talked about it. Apparently he had talked to Kawhi, but I don't know. That that was going to be a difficult trade to execute unless someone like Paul George came back to Oklahoma City. And then you have, um, you know, the Lakers didn't have the
0: salaries to match.
1: Like who else really well, could Just because other it's,
0: teams it was going to be hard for them doesn't mean that Phoenix should have gone and done it. I and and like I said, like I don't like Phoenix's pick of Jalen Smith because um, it seems like they think they've got this uh, a roster that's ready to contend and they're trying to fill out the the you know the missing gaps. They need to be taking. They're trying the to game.
1: teach their guys how to win, dude. How do you, as the Kings fan who chases the eight seed every year, not recognize and appreciate this?
0: I appreciate it, but it's like, OK, um, you can you can learn how to win from getting other vets on your team and investing, what, 30 something million and 40 million in Chris Paul. You um, was second you team I mean, NBA up last much in terms of picks, which is fine.
1: But yeah, think about it. Rubio's is a wash because you're getting a better point guard. And then Ubre, who fine, he's good and whatever. But he's also, you know, kind of out of place there with Saric already there with Mikhail Bridges already there. And like. Uh, cam johnson like they have some wings they have some forwards so Ubrey's is a good player but it's not like he's necessarily going to be the guy of the future for them so what did they really give up to make this happen not that much i actually thought they paid a fair price because like i said
0: they didn't give up number 10 yeah i mean I, look it's not a, it's not a bad move i just don't i don't think that it's it's really going to move the needle that much and so all for all the people who are saying this is a great move this is you know, Phoenix, wow, they're they're able to land Chris Paul. I'm tempering my enthusiasm for that. Do
1: you think they finish above or below if you had to say the six and a half seed, you go over or under? Over under. being like lower seven or lower? Seven.
0: I say seven. Seven or eight. They if finish. One, above I mean, look, look the Kings, you have though. Houston falling out. Yeah. You know, there are some teams that are going to slip a little bit, but the West is tough, man. I, I don't see uh them cracking the top six we'll see
1: All right. So let's talk Milwaukee. They made a massive deal to get Drew Holiday. Uh gave up, I think, three first round picks and two pick swaps, which is all right. I got a lot of thoughts about this, but the price of like good to great players is really getting out of hand on some degrees because it's all about leverage. And everyone said this with Oklahoma City. Uh, LA Clippers trade last year, where it's like those picks are really for Paul George and Kawhi. And they're saying the same thing now. It's like these picks are really for Drew and Giannis. Um, I have rotated, flip flopped about 25 times on this deal, but I don't care about the picks so much, um, especially if Giannis stays. Those pick swaps aren't actually going to be picks. So it's just going to be three first rounders. They can't win a title with this team any more than they could two days ago um true holiday is a nice player he's made one all-star team and is probably more loved than he is good and i don't mean that to be mean because he's very loved and very good but he's not the guy that's getting you over the hump like i i just i think that they had a move to make and they didn't have a lot of pieces to go get because they didn't have a lot of assets and they did as well as they could have but I don't think it's enough
0: if Giannis signs Supermax as he's expected to do um, I mean I don't know now with the Bogdanovich thing falling apart but it you know by all accounts Milwaukee has appeased Giannis by getting a Drew Holiday type you know showing that they're willing to uh, to pay up for that why does it matter Like, why does it matter that Drew Holiday is a you know what is he one time All Star? Um, I agree. Like, talent wise, Drew Holiday doesn't move the needle that much. But it's an optics thing. It's if you're getting Giannis to sign him for the Super, and like people compare to the Clippers, but the Clippers, they're in L A. and they're also they traded for Paul George on what two years with a third year opt in, Um, right? This is Giannis has one year left. Well, no, he has one year left, and then he can he has a third year option. No, I'm saying Drew only has one year left. Drew has one year left, but you're getting Giannis to sign the Supermax.
1: Like, that's the whole point. Let's wait till he signs it. I know, but but my point point is... is, Yeah, okay, fine. But the point isn't that he signs it. The point is that they win a title, isn't it? No, the point is he signs it. You're just telling me their
0: goal is to have to keep him there versus it is to win a championship. So, okay, tell me this. How else are they going to win a championship without Drew Holiday? You, you yourself said there's not many players out there that are going to, you know, Chris Paul was the only other Chris one Paul, that maybe they could have made for a move for. John Wall? Like, there's no easy, obvious answer that was going to win them a championship. This improves their team a little bit. And if it gets Giannis to sign the Supermax, my point is, even if they don't win the title, you've locked up your multi-MVP you know, MVP award winner. For, what, five more years? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I get that.
1: Um, Russillo brought up a good point, which is like, why do stars hold their teams over a barrel versus just working with them so they don't have to give up as many assets so they still have flexibility for future moves? And it's out of the LeBron playbook, who did this uh, several times, most notably in Cleveland at the end of that tenure. Why doesn't he just communicate, Giannis says, hey, I'll sign – give me Drew Holiday, don't pay too much because I want us to do other stuff versus you better do something and I'm not going to tell you what exactly you need to do. And we'll see if it's enough. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree that. Don't uh, you think there's a point in this leverage conversation that's actually ending
0: up making players putting themselves at a disadvantage? Yeah, like, I mean, you can look at Carmelo with the Knicks too, the same situation in which he could have, uh, he made it worse for right. himself. <laughs>
1: See, this is why Kobe, the farm. Kobe is an all-time IQ guy. He had that trade to Chicago, and he was like, wait a second. They're giving up way too much for me to come there. <laughs> if I go there, I'm going to be on the same situation I am here in L.A. So let's just demand we get Pagasol and suddenly the rest is history. Why don't more players think about that when they're trying to leverage their way in and out of situations?
0: Well, the problem is or right now— Mil-
1: got-
0: What? Milwaukee doesn't have any leverage. Everyone knows that they're desperate and Giannis is kind of, you know, they have the screw max looming. So whether Giannis is willing to work with them or not, it's not like they were going to get Drew Holiday for one pick. It just wasn't going to happen. Um, they're not so, going to get
1: Drew Holiday for one pick, but they are going to say that they they – They are not going to if like, let's say there was able to kind of float to the like the insiders like, hey, Giannis is tending to sign a supermax. He's still happy here. He thinks there's a real chance to win a title. Then when David Griffin calls him about Drew Holiday, there's not as much like, hey, I know if you guys don't execute this, like Giannis is gone. At least there's some level of like optimism. There's some momentum towards that Giannis being part of the future plans. With or without Drew Holiday. Now, yes, that means they still have to make moves, and but ultimately, I think they will. Right, the team is trying to win a championship. That's what I'm trying to get back
0: to. Giannis doesn't want to give up that flexibility, right? What you what you sign the super and then things don't work out, like you're stuck there. Um,
1: no, you could do anything you want. You could leave. James Harden's trying to demand out when he has two years plus a player option. You, you can't sign it and leave right away. he's like still going to be there a couple of years. That well, not right away, but dude. They're the Bucks are also not going to be bad as long as they have honest. They're going to be a top three seed in the East. But look at James Harden. He has two full years plus a player option at almost 50 million dollars at the age of 34 or 35. That he's uh, you know, newsflash probably gonna accept. So with three years left, he has enough leverage to be like, I want to go to Brooklyn specifically. Now, whether or not he makes it all the way there with to be d, you know, to be determined, but the fact is. You always have leverage. It's going to be one or two years before Carl Anthony Towns or Devin Booker, both of whom are, I think, uh, one year or two years into their new five-year maxes are going to say, hey, this isn't working and I'm out.
0: Fine, but we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. I mean, that's the assumption now based on how everything else has been going. But look, you, and you talk about Giannis working with the team. Why don't these stars do that? I don't know. But if you're in Milwaukee at the end of the day, don't, I mean, if Giannis is not going to work with you, he's not going to work with you. You have to do whatever you can to get this guy locked in. You're Milwaukee, man. This is what, this is the, you're DC, as much as you talk about DC as this downtrodden franchise, you're still a big market. Um, Hit on Milwaukee, Sacramento, OKC. You're not getting these guys to stay. Um, I, you're not signing big time free agents. You need to pull out all the stops to keep them in your city. And so I don't have any problem with Milwaukee giving up three. It's ridiculous how much to give up for Drew Holiday, but you, you got to do what you got to do.
1: I believe the JJ Redick podcast because he started this thing about how great Drew was, and he made every guest come on and talk about how Drew is the best defender that they've ever faced. And suddenly it just drove up Drew's market value to the point that he's getting traded for a similar pl- like platter as Anthony Davis or a similar platters like what Bradley Beal would go fetch. And Drew Holiday, if he was that good, the Pelicans would have been better over the last I think he got traded there in 2013. So over the last seven years, they would have been that they would have been a little bit better than they than they have been, which is exactly two playoff appearances and one playoff. And yeah, it was
0: win. Drew Holiday and Anthony Davis. Like how much like <laughs> a better There's a health factor? Are. Yes, but
1: they were also healthy for enough to be better than they were, given how good those two people allegedly are.
0: Drew, drew Holiday is that um the you know who's uh, underrated you know when people say that and then yeah. they like to say Drew Holiday to sound smart like he's yeah. that guy like everyone's calling underrated um he's just not underrated anymore he's so underrated that he's now overrated right it's like one of those guys um look i love drew holiday uh ucla i watched him play met him too a couple times he's my boy um oh, yeah. But, no i forgot no wonder you're slurping this dude right now my god, god. Did I tell you my Drew Holiday story? And um, I went to go see him in a, uh, his high school game. So this is my freshman year at UCLA. He was a senior in high school. He played close by. So me and my buddies went. Like, we and he had already, already
1: of, committed to UCLA at that point. He had already right? committed to
0: UCLA. Um, and so we went there and we were watching his game. Uh, and at, in the first half, uh, he, he struggled a little bit and he got crossed up by the other team and fell down. And everyone was like, ooh, Right. He came back after halftime wearing a different pair of shoes and dropped like 30 in the second half. Just went to town. Yeah. In that moment, I was like, "This guy's gonna be a stud." Then, this yeah. guy's gonna net five first round picks later in his career. <laughs> this in his net <laughs> <five> for sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but bottom line, I, I think you know what Milwaukee—they had to do it. They did it. Um, no. And I'm, Donovich okay. will see if it happens.
1: I'm not saying it wasn't a move they should have done. I mean, let's put a, let's put the price for it aside, right? The issue is not the price. The issue is this is your one move. And do you think? And even if we agree that they couldn't have, go, if they weren't going to put Middleton on the table, which it you know didn't look like they were ever going to in a deal, they didn't really have any other assets except these picks or whatever. So, let's say Drew Holiday was the best case scenario, and he likely was right of players they could get. Do you think this is enough for no. a title? Not for Giannis
0: Supermax for a look, title. I, I don't think. Uh, I think it's enough for them to compete. Look, some of their problems stem from Bud and stem from Giannis. I don't think it's completely the roster. Um, I, I the honestly, the second so one I, is I the problem. They, huh? The second one is the problem, isn't it? Yeah, it, 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 it could from be the problem. but he's still young, man. Like you know, he can still figure it out. So, um, but my point is, it's not you can't pin it all in the team construction and oh, Drew Hott is not enough; they're not going to win. Part of it has to come fall on the coach and fall on Giannis. Um, and look, they got out of the, they got out of the Eric Bledsoe contract. So that was kind of nice. You got out of a terrible contract that you just signed, um, while getting true holiday. Well, yeah, he might be a rental, but at least, you know, you're not committing huge long-term money if this doesn't work out. So you gave up a lot of picks, but you know, getting rid of Bledsoe was nice and holiday will be good, man. Like defensively, he's good. And offensively, he's going to be, uh, you'd think more reliable than, who they had before so and obviously look Bogdanovich I still think is going to end up with Milwaukee and so when you add that to the the list of moves they're fine can we talk about this situation because
1: they they clearly were involved in some pre moratorium being lifted tampering they had a deal set up before they were allowed to have it set up they had all the players involved everything was good to go all of the Twitter photoshops were complete Except nobody actually asked Bogdanovich if he was down to go to the Bucks at a particular price tag. So what are you hearing about this as a Sacramento Kings fan? Like, this is, this is kind of
0: baffling. Honestly, like, no one knows. Like, even the local beat reporters, no one has got a clear understanding. They asked our GM this yesterday, and he completely dodged the topic. He just literally avoided it altogether. So I have a feeling that obviously this got leaked. Um, these discussions were were happening. Tampering happens all across the league, so it's not like it's a surprise. I think this just got out, and um, once it got out, once it got finalized, and you know Bogdanovich, like, what? Hold on! And Now they're yeah. kind of revisiting everything. I still think it gets done. To be honest, they're going to haggle a little bit on the price, but um, I think we still sign and trade him. We're not keeping him. So,
1: yeah, I mean. I, 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 you're not keeping him, but if his price tag ends up getting driven up by other teams, he may not end up in Milwaukee, right? If like Milwaukee, like right now, I just saw a report he's seeking somewhere in the neighborhood of four for seventy-two. Yep. So that's eighteen million a year. Let's say that the Bucks were only planning on paying him fifteen million a year, and he can go get that extra three a year from someone else. We don't know. Like we know he wants to play in Milwaukee, but we don't know what his break-even point is going to be. Like how much is too much money to pass up? And we also don't know what yeah. other suitors are out there for him.
0: So I think it's a leverage play. I think he wants to be in Milwaukee, but, but honestly, no one knows with this whole situation. It's yeah. it's um it's really weird. I've never seen anything like it. Secondly, um, why exactly
1: does he want to like, why do the Kings because the Kings were planning on keeping him over heel? That was kind of the rumors coming out at the end of last season. So what's
0: the reason that that's suddenly not the case? Different front office
1: who prefer um, if,
0: Heald or maybe neither. No. if Well, so if Lottie was here, he would have, I think signed Bogdanovich. And I think we would have gotten rid of Heald. Um, All right. but new front office, I think, uh, I mean, and we don't know yet, but I think, look, the price tag, you have to pay for Bogdanovich. You're tying up a lot of money with Heald already on the roster. You might as well keep Heald. He's still an asset. It's right. easily tradable. Um, go into the season with him and then just don't commit money long term. Like what, if you're going to sign De'Aaron to the super max, um, or the max, and you're going to sign uh Bogdanovich, and then you have Buddy, you have Barnes, like your books are bloated with a bunch of guys who are not going to get you anywhere. Yeah, so I think it's just smart cap management. And he, I lo- look, Kings fans love Bogdanovich, but we also understand that paying him and he's 28 like, what paying him 18 million a year, he's not going to get like that much better. So,
1: yeah, I think it, it's uh, this is comes back to, I think, actually what we talked about last off season where it's like the Kings can't commit money just because they're young guys or due contracts. Yep. And if they do blow it up and it's a new regime is always going to have a little bit more of a leash than the old one, right? Because Vladi wasn't going to be able to get away with another rebuild. Yep. Um, and clearly he didn't even get away with any even continuing this job. So. I mean, you keep Bagley, you keep Fox and then you have Halliburton and you kind of just reset around that, I guess, is what they're yeah. going to do.
0: Yeah. And you you go into the season with Buddy, but you, you obviously you're going to be fielding offers for him. And then the rest of the roster is expendable. Barnes yeah. is a contract that's declining. He's movable. Some team will, will you know want another wing as a third, fourth option. You know, I I think it'll um, they'll be fine. Bogdanovich is, is a good player. I think he's. He's the kind of player who would fit perfectly on a contending team. I think that's where his value is. As right. as that playmaker, a guy who can come off the bench and kind of get you some buckets, um, steady hand. Like His value is, mu- is worth so much more on those teams than on the Kings where he's yep. you know, just an inefficient scorer.
1: I wanted to talk quickly about Houston because Monty McNary left Houston to Sacramento. Uh, Daryl Morey left from Houston to Philly. So now you have stone uh the former legal counsel actually (laughs) took over as gm um they're in a bit of a problem (laughs) to say the least because on one hand their owner is hemorrhaging cash right he's in the restaurant business pandemics have hit restaurants harder than almost any other specific industry um on the other hand he's got two supermax guards who are aging and the core is sort of all aging together and they've passed their championship window um, Houston is traditionally not a team that is ever tanked, right? They've continually been good. And when they're not good, they've been mediocre. And then they find a way to get back up to the top. They are claiming that they don't care about Westbrook and Harden's trade demands. Um, and they're happy to go into the season with them. At the same time, they made a very perplexing trade, getting rid of their third best player in Robert Covington. I think they're definitely going to trade one or both um in the next month what do you think they will do and what do you think they should
0: do i think they're gonna trade and i think they should trade um it's it's become toxic it's become clear that there's an issue in houston um and you know for tillman for tit is the problem it's clear harden doesn't want to play for him uh mm-hmm. it's clear westbrook just doesn't want to play there in general so I, I think Houston, I actually think they're doing the right thing with just not doing a panic trade right now because the easiest thing is to kind of uh, sell them and get kind of get fewer assets than you should be getting for a guy like Harden. Like, why not? Right into the season, um, those guys are – Harden at least has tremendous value, so there's no rush. You're not going anywhere anyway this season. I think it's a a lost season. Um, But I think the way they've mismanaged everything in terms of – Getting Paul Silas, who I don't think was even a guy really signed off by on Harden, or I don't think he approved of it. Um, Obviously, you know, Maury and uh, D'Antoni leaving, and it's been a tough offseason for them, but I don't blame them for going into the season with Westbrook and and Harden. Like, I don't think they should make a panic trade and undersell these guys.
1: I'm so upset about the Brooklyn package actually gaining momentum. I'm actually upset. It's not just about, I don't want Harden to end up there. It's like, this is a top five guy. He finishes in the MVP race at one, two or three for the last six, 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 seven years. Don't fucking give me Karis Lovert and Spencer yep. Dinwiddie. All right. I can come up with right now, 10 proposals I would take over that. And yeah, I mean, I guess for the purpose of finding the most value out of these guys, they shouldn't panic trade him, but it's over in Houston. Yeah, yeah um, it's over.
0: That, that's clear. Yes
1: which is pretty crazy to say given what Harden's meant to them and what they've meant to Harden. Um from the way those those you know both the franchise and the player are forever forever um linked, right? And so this is one of those situations where you would always expect a guy like Harden 20 years ago to retire as a rocket. Um and now you still see hmm. he has 5 6 years left of his prime that's going to end up being played somewhere else, whether that's Philadelphia, whether that's Brooklyn or Miami or whatever team ends up making a move for him. I actually heard uh, that part of the frustration with Tillman, aside from generally being an asshole and also being cheap, is that his open support of Trump.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah.
1: Which is fascinating for a lot of reasons. Uh, And we've talked a bit of politics on this pod, but typically stayed away from it. But fascinating for a few reasons. One, almost every pro owner in sports is Republican traditionally, right, because of the favorable tax treatment, whatever else. Two, never before is supporting a president, an active president, you know, now a <laughs> lame duck, we'll see if he he believes that, but um, an active president really been all that controversial. But here we are with Trump and everything he's done. And then three, if you're an owner of a professional sports team and you know that that position is very much in contrast with what your players feel, why would you be so for in the forefront about something like that? Um, I was pretty surprised um, that that came out only because I've never really heard that about an owner. But Harden has as much leverage as Fertita does in this situation, right? So he can actually come out and, and, of course, he didn't say it in an interview, but that can get leaked and it's not a big deal.
0: Yeah, I think that report is a little bit overblown. Um, they, I mean, I think with Tillman, it's more of a um, – it's a culmination of things. It's not just his open support for Trump. It's like you said, it's his blatant open lease you know, supporting Trump, whereas a lot of the other owners are kind of making donations um, under the table but not publicly making any comments. It's also how he handled the China situation with Daryl Morey, where apparently you know Morey, um, you know, got a lot of heat for that, and he's spoken openly about how Morey shouldn't have done that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the how cheap he is, right? It's, it's I think all across the board, this guy is just a it's just an asshole, um, and so I think it's a lot of frustration over that, and then the Trump thing is like a cherry on top, um, yeah. but I do think that there's a serious problem there, like the ownership. Um, you know, you have to have a good relationship with your superstar and clearly if Harden turned out. I don't know if that reports true, but if he turned out 50 million, um, in a city that he actually does, he does love Houston. Like he loves Houston. He's been there for so long and he wants to get out that badly. I think you have to look at ownership. Um, and it's, cause totally that's been
1: him. the big change. Right. Cause like Leslie, yeah. Alexandro owned the team two years ago. Mm-hmm. um, Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's a basketball thing as much, right? Because he's playing exactly the way he wants to play and he's getting all the numbers he wants to get. And frankly, a lot of the success he wants to get, like people say, James Harden might not be a winner. That's just not true. Right. He wins 50 to 60 games every year. He's a top three MVP finisher. You put him on the floor. They're immediately a top five offense in the league. So there's not like, it's not like this, like empty stat stuffing kind of perspective. Like that's just, it's not the Trey young situation, right? Like he's a winning player. Um, where would you like to see him go? Because I have an idea. Philadelphia is the most obvious example, right? So let's park them for a second. Philadelphia for Ben Simmons. I'm taking them off the table. Where else would
0: you like to see him go if you had to pick one spot? I don't even know where he uh, where he could go. I don't know what teams could get him. I'm trying to think. Um, what, okay, what spot are you thinking? So
1: pre-draft, but let's assume they get to package the pick that they just made. Yep. James Harden to the Chicago Bulls <laughs> for Otto Porter, Lori Markinen, and number four overall. So now that's Patrick Williams. Mm-hmm. Salaries match. You get a stud in Lari. At the time, the number four pick is a little bit more valuable right before it's picked than after. This was my trade before last night. So we'd have <laughs> to see if Houston actually liked Patrick Williams, but you have a pretty terribly defensive backcourt (laughs) with him and and levine but Harden needs a big city chicago is dying for a star that they can actually market this is the third biggest city in the country and sometimes they operate like a small market team with the way jerry ronsdorf runs this thing right so you bring in a guy like james harden you know you still you still have good enough pieces around him with kobe white zach levine wendell carter uh, Denzel uh, Valentine there's I mean okay Denzel Valentine's probably not shit but like <laughs> all of these guys are going to get a bump play next to Harden right yeah um Billy Donovan's a good coach he coached Westbrook so he understands like ball dominant superstars and how to manage them that's my favorite trade and I've not heard one team one reporter nobody ever mention this maybe because that's just something that wouldn't happen but that's
0: where I would go I think that's pretty logical um I like is the- it enough it's probably not enough, right? Probably not enough. But I don't know. Like, honestly, what other teams are going to pony up more for Harden? I just don't see. Uh, I don't know who else would, would trade for him. I'd love to see San Antonio get him, you know, pair him with Devin Vassell. Uh, and that's a championship winning <laughs> combo right there. No, I'm just kidding.
1: <laughs> um, San Antonio is interesting. But who do they have? They have DeJounte Murray, who they could include. DeRozan opted in. So that could be just for salary matching.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they got enough. Yeah, and then you 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 throw in a bunch of picks. Um I don't know. I I I'll tell you. I don't want to see him in Brooklyn. I think look, there's already been a precedent set with you know Anthony Davis kind of forcing his way uh, out, and I don't want it to kind of if Harden's able to do it too, dictating where he wants to go, and he's able to get onto that team with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, it I would hate to see that. So I I am hoping he ends up in Philly um i like that i want the philly team to be successful. i think they're a fun team um it's i like how Dantoni's there now um how much is of a
1: savant is mori for getting off that al Horford deal already i mean that was he only gave up one pick granted I'm lightly protected in twenty twenty five that could come back to hurt him, but he got a guy not only did he get off a bad bad deal that still has like i think eighty million left. He got a guy in Danny Green who can play for them. He can play crunch time for them.
0: Yeah, no, it was, it was great. It was honestly great. Um, they've made, you know, and, and sorry, I said D'Antoni on the Sixers. It's Maury, but Maury is, is, yeah. is making all the right moves. Um, I'd l- I, yeah, I'd love to see Harden in, in Philly. Um, you know what the other
1: spot for him is? Miami. Miami. The Heat, because the Heat have been waiting for Giannis. If Giannis signs the Supermax and he's off the table and they're still looking for that second star, you build a deal around, you keep Bam, right? You're not going to give up Bam, but you keep Bam. You build a deal around Tyler Hero, Hero. Duncan Robinson, Kendrick Nunn, and then maybe Andre Godala to match salary, and then multiple picks.
0: That's such a poo-poo platter. Um, Tyler Hero I look Hero's great but come on we all know that his him being the centerpiece of that trade for Harden is still not enticing enough for me he could carry the strip club mantle for Harden also (laughs) in Houston yeah he'd fit he'd fit well um I if they put Bam on the the table then it feels
1: like too much
0: I like Chicago you do it, oh, yeah, Bam. Bam. They're not gonna put Bam with it, but no. Bam's
1: on the table, but you think so. If you like the Chicago offer better, is it because you think Marketing's a better prospect than Hero?
0: Yeah, look, let, let's pump the brakes on the the Hero train. <laughs> Hero's great, right? But I don't think he's gonna all of a sudden become. Well, hold on, let me pause there. I don't know if Marketing's that great either, but exactly. I,
1: both deals might suck. Maybe they Both should take
0: deals the Brooklyn deal.
1: Maybe deals they might. should take the Brooklyn deal. Dude, it's really hard to figure out a package for a guy as good as Harden, but with all the very specific things that Harden does. This isn't like the Anthony Davis trade where you're trading for a 26-year-old all-world two-way player who can fit in next to LeBron. Like, that's not who you're getting. You're getting a 31-year-old who needs the ball in his hands, who's going to be the one of the most highest usage players in the league. It's a difficult
0: guy to trade well, for. Well, yeah. That- that's the biggest problem. Like Kevin Durant can fit on any team. It doesn't matter what you give up for him. Harden becomes a little bit uh, to justify trading for Harden um, and getting him on your roster. You're gonna have to do a whole shakeup if you really want to be competitive with that roster. So, I think that's the the problem. He's he's not an easy guy to kind of just slot into a current roster. And, and
1: Philly you know, would be fascinating though, especially with the Seth Curry trade. They got a couple shooters. They got a couple defenders. Matias Tybule et cetera. Uh obviously have B down low. I mean, that
0: team could win the title. That team would be unbelievably balanced if they got. I mean, obviously Harden's the top player, but um they've got the shooting, they've got the defense. Now you got the shot creation from Harden. And oh. you literally have every, they they would win the title.
1: Yeah. All right. Before we go, um, I guess let's put Harden Westbrook aside for a second. If you have one big or any other topics that we didn't hit that we should have, I know there's a million things floating around in the league.
0: Yeah, man. I mean, a lot of other moves. You know, Lakers getting Schroeder, but that was uh, nice. I
1: thought that was, was a, a good, good move deal. for
0: them. Yep. Um, what are some of the other trades that happened? Uh, we talked about I saw, the
1: Warriors getting Ubra already.
0: Yeah, um, Gordon Hayward uh, did not opt in to his thirty-four million. Which, <laughs> You can't do that unless you know
1: there's a deal coming.
0: Yeah, you know, there's there's things that he's talking to Atlanta, talking to Indiana, so he probably has something in the, the works, but like I could see just funny like that a he kind of four left
1: for sixty, four for seventy type deal coming through.
0: Yeah. And it's just funny how Boston's kind of left high and dry, you know, they're hoping for a sign and trade, obviously, or and <laughs> they tried Danny Ainge tried
1: to go to Galaxy Brain on everyone and he ended up getting boned, dude. I'm yeah. kind of glad that happened
0: to him. Um that's another interesting one. Uh, other than that, I mean, the the Clippers and that's Shamit for Can- uh, Luke Kennard. Um, that was an interesting
1: pick trade. I didn't. Shamit didn't play very well, but I also thought he battled injuries last year. And so he wasn't on the floor enough for me to say if he was going to be a fit. But I think they just want more shooting, and Kennard's a more pure shooter if he could ever stay on the floor, and he's always been banged up. But what I was going to ask you is, aside from Russell, Westbrook, and Harden, if you had to say one big name that's going to get moved before the season starts, who would you say? And is there
0: another guy? Um, I, I really thought the Knicks were going to go after Westbrook. They still can? They still can. I'm I'm going to go out there and say Westbrook. I I think he still has the best chance. Um But yeah, I don't I don't know who else. Who are you thinking? Uh Troy Brown Jr. <laughs>
1: uh no, I think well, I actually said outside of those two cuz I do think they're both going to get moved, Oh, sorry, you said outside of Westbrook. Harden and Westbrook. Um I think All right. Big name wise, I'm going to go with. um, This isn't going to actually happen, but I'm just going to speak it into existence. I think John Wall could get moved. But that might be for Russell Westbrook. It could be for Westbrook, but it could also be for there's a couple other bad contracts in the league you could swap them with. I don't know.
0: I told you I'm I'm not high on wall. I just don't think it's as I mean, it's let's not get it. Twisted. It's a toxic contract, but um I'm excited to see what he can
1: do. Uh, it would be legitimately dumb to trade him right now, frankly, because he has no value. So you're going to take ten cents on the dollar. Yeah, no,
0: I agree. Like Washington's better off just you know starting the season with him. I think you're not going to get much back. Uh, even like the Westbrook. I don't understand why you tried to get Westbrook. Back. No,
1: I, I, and like Wizards Twitter was not happy about that for a variety of reasons, namely because we'd have to give up assets, right? So it's kind of like okay, our ceiling goes from what the eight seed to the six seed with Westbrook, but then we have to give up something that could be uh, re- relevant in the future when we blow it up anyway, um, and and you know there's obviously the attachment to Wall or whatever, but to me it's like why unless you're sure he's done and he's going to come out and look terrible and then he's truly untradeable. You wait for a month or two months and say, hey, like, let's make sure he's like, you know, okay, he's not going to go back to averaging 23 and 10, right, which is what he did his last healthy season, 23, 11. But let's say he goes back and averages like 16 and nine. That's not out of the realm of possibility, Um, 17 and nine. And suddenly you're like, okay, it's 40 million, but he's a guy who can make positive plays. And that's what you need before you can actually think about shopping because the Wizards situation, they're not. It's not going to work, right? they' I, I don't know what they're expecting or what Beale wants to see to to be convinced to stick around, but it's not going to go his way, I don't think. So eventually, they're going to have to pull the plug on it, and you might as well get these guys value up as high as you can before you, you know, get rid of them
0: for 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 the next iteration of the rebuild. Over under Wizards playoff seed next year at six and a half. So. I have to go under. Assuming Wall State, Beal State
1: means under means six or seven. L- higher or seven no. or lower. Seven or lower. It's going to be seven or lower because if you think about it, who's a guaranteed lock ahead of them? Milwaukee, Philly, uh, Philadelphia, Boston, Miami, Miami, and Brooklyn. Yeah, right? that's five. That's five. Now Toronto is six, and by the way, Toronto finished second last year. But assuming they lose Van Vliet, it looks yep. like they're going to lose they're Ibaka lose and it looks Bleach. like they're going to lose. They're Puzzle. done.
0: Put a fork in it. But I said that last year again. Yeah. And so what happened? So
1: we got to, you know, we got to give our pair our respects to Masai and to Nick Nurse, but let's say they're, they're in contention. Then you have um, Orlando who's probably going to fall off, right? Cause they lost Jonathan Isaac. Yep. And then you have Atlanta who's looking to make the playoffs. Chicago who's looking to make moves. Charlotte, Detroit, all of these teams. I think the West Wizards are probably going to be better than those. So it's really between them and Toronto for that number six spot,
0: I think. Yeah,
1: so but, but you think that. But we're, no, I mean, I'm picking Nick Nurse over Scott Brooks every day and twice <laughs> on Sundays. So and, and definitely Messiah over Tommy Shepard. So there's no world where I trust the Wizards more than I trust the Raptors at this point.
0: What if you could trade. Wall for Westbrook and Beal for Harden and reunites Scott Brooks, Westbrook, and Harden. You have to do that. You do it? I think you do. I mean, Harden is... I mean, we saw the Harden-Westbrook experiment already. And...
1: It did not work. I mean, Westbrook got COVID, but they were decent and they ran into the NBA champions and they took a game off them. Yeah, they didn't look great down the stretch and Westbrook looked like he couldn't... I mean, that was bad. But here's my thing about Harden. I think we're almost beginning to underrate him a little bit. <laughs> he, like Beal, Beal's game looks nicer than his contribution to winning has historically been in his career.
0: Sure, but Beal's much younger.
1: Five he, years younger? Five years younger. Now, you could argue the time that has now ascended to stardom he would have led 50-plus win teams if there was any semblance of, like, a real roster around him. So that may be true. Mm -hmm. But Harden is going to be a top-three MVP guy every year for the next three to four years. I don't think Beal has that
0: ceiling. So, okay, forget about the Wall-Westbrook piece. What deal could you do for Beal and Harden? If you traded Beal for Harden... I don't think the Wizards would have to actually add anything
1: because of the youth that we yeah. just talked
0: so about. So, like, if I'm Houston, I would, that's a no-brainer, right? You're, how rare is it that you get a straight star back who's still young, relatively young, um, back for your star? And then if you're saying if Washington, you know, you guys get better, why not make that move? Who
1: says no? Houston says no, I think. I think they would have asked I think they would ask for more. I don't think you would give more. I think they would ask for more. Feel in a first round pick. I wouldn't do that. Like if I'm the Wizards, I'm not doing that because you're not though Harden in the East. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you're talking yourself into it. Harden is underrated, I think.
1: I think that's yeah, where all I'm of a
0: be- sudden now when you're picturing him in that Wizards jersey, he's underrated. 800 step back threes in the season. After the pod Boot up 2K, put Harden on the Wiz, and then tell me how you feel after that. Yeah, a, straight, a, straight a
1: simulate. Yeah, <laughs> do some Monte Carlo. You know, have them both, both run to five thousand seasons of, of, and see whose bet record is better. Yeah. So,
0: um, but anyways, yeah. I, I mean, it'll be interesting to see. I'm really excited for uh, free agency to kick off because it's always a wild period. You, even though I know this year there's not as many big names. Um, you know who's gonna pay Van Vliet? You know, there's some of these guys are gonna are gonna make some big bucks. How so. much are we gonna overpay davis Berton's yeah, Burton's is another guy who's due for a big contract. Um, yeah,
1: I'm not looking forward to it. But all right, so it's funny we're back, but uh, we actually said we were gonna spend the offseason figuring out how to do things a little differently and improve, and we came back and did the exact same podcast. So um, expect more of the same as we kick things off, but. I hope everyone's enjoying, uh, you know, I don't know that I love the way the NBA has become, but at least these two weeks are always a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, I agree. It's it's a lot of fun. Lots going on. Um, and it's just it's weird consuming all this at the same time the NFL is going on. It's just nonstop. Yeah. Nonstop sports, um, which is awesome. So I'm excited.
1: All right, man. So we'll be back. We're going to continue our weekly cadence. So hopefully next week we'll have some more news to report on. By the time everyone listens to this, maybe there's more news uh, that's that's taken place and been reported. But until then, please rate, review and subscribe to Thick and Thin on all major podcast platforms. Please email us at Thickandthinhoops at gmail.com. Uh, we're back. We're, we're glad that uh, you're all sticking with us. And thank you for asking about you know, why we're not dropping pods. Um, it meant a lot, even though it's from the same three or four people, but always appreciate the love. So thanks a lot. And uh, we'll talk to you next week.